Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, and we are five days away from a Canadian election when this podcast airs. So have you decided which party you're going to vote for? I don't know how political you as a listener are, but the Bible has a lot to say about kings, governors, and those who hold positions of authority in the nations that we live. Throughout scripture, we see God's people living under political systems from the elders at the gate of your city to kings and queens of nations and as conquered people living under slavery. There are many examples in scripture of God-fearing politicians and of oppressive despots. Paul was writing his letter to the churches all the while that the Roman government was in power. The same government that would crush, torture, and execute good people like Jesus of Nazareth, the, the disciples, and many in the early church. And yet, in the midst of that hostile environment, we hear a message of another government called the kingdom of God. It's a system that grows in seed form globally through all time, and it's a system that does not go to war against its enemies. It's a government that does not originate in the world as we know it. In Paul's pastoral letter to Timothy, he said, first, I want you to pray for all people. Ask God to help and bless them. Give thanks for them. Pray for kings. Pray for everyone who is in authority. Pray that we can live peaceful and quiet lives and pray that we will be godly and holy. This is good and it pleases God our Savior. 1 Timothy 2, 1-3. So let me ask those of you who are listening to the podcast today, have you prayed for the politicians of your nation asking God to help and bless them? Have you given thanks for them today? <clears throat> I think I hear the sound of crickets to that question. <laughs> well, my guest today is uh, Tim Schindel, and uh, he has something to say about praying for leadership. Uh, Tim uh, lives in Victoria, British Columbia, and several years ago, I met Tim early on in his vision for chaplaincy, and the last time we were together in 2018, we had lunch and a tour of the Legislative Assembly of British Columbia, along with one of uh, the leading influence chaplains, uh, Jason Gertson. And uh, just uh, from the leadinginfluence.com website, I uh, pulled this paragraph that I think really gives us a good introduction to uh, what Tim's about. It says, Seeing the need and an opportunity to serve, Tim Schindel founded Leading Influence in 2006 to fulfill the vision of providing excellence in pastoral care to politicians across Canada. Under his leadership, Leading Influence has grown to a national ministry with a chaplain team that reaches from Victoria, BC to Quebec City. Tim serves as the National Director for Leading Influence 
and serves as the Ottawa chaplain. Tim, it's great to see you. Welcome to the podcast. And uh, before we start talking about politics and religion, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. Tell us a bit about yourself and your background. Well, thanks, Kevin. It is great to be with you today and uh, to, to catch up a little bit and to be able to talk about what I do. So here's my, my story in a nutshell. I was born in a small town in Saskatchewan, moved to Ontario when I was four and a half years old, went to high school there, off to Bible college, into ministry, and then um, have pretty much given, you know, been in, in you know, professional paid ministry, if you will. I don't know how professional I was, but paid ministry anyway, <laughs> um, <clears throat> in a variety of places from, um, I'm just going to go through here, small town Saskatchewan, mid-sized city Manitoba, um, small town Vancouver Island, large city Victoria, BC, out to a place called Kamloops in the interior of BC, and then back here. So that's kind of my story. I've married, my wife and I have been married for 33 years. We have three adult children scattered from San Diego to Victoria. Um, I ride a motorcycle. We have a dog. My, you know, that's kind of it. So we have a lot in common. I'm married 32 years. We have three adult children and uh, we have two grandchildren and two more coming in the next two months. So, uh, and I wish I had a motorcycle, so we could be, we could be fast friends. I'm we sure could, we Tim. could be fast friends. We could absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I think we could be friends anyway. So we are, I think we are. Actually. I think well, I was going to say, I think we are. Yeah. Friends anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I've long admired, uh, the vision that you have in working with politicians and, um, you know, uh, Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, was was politics something that was always on your radar from from a young age? Is it something that developed later in life? Uh, when did you get this uh, curiosity and this interest in politics? <laughs> That's a good question. I uh, so I grew up in this little town in northern Ontario and uh, I delivered the Winnipeg Free Press. So I believe it or not, I delivered a paper that was a day late because that's when it arrived in my little town. And um, there was no local radio station. So all I had was a nine volt transistor radio when I, to keep me company on my route in the morning that I tucked into the back of my parka hood and listened to CBC. So, you know, if you grew up listening to CBC, it's, it's hard not to kind of develop an appetite and an interest in politics. So I think right. that's probably when I think about it, that's probably what fed that for me and, mm -hmm. and kind of created that, that interest, you know, in my life. Did, uh, so you, um, part of your faith journey, you uh, uncovered a, a call uh, to uh, professional ministry, I guess. And uh, so that, that was pastoring. Was there ever a time when you thought about running for office? Actually, it's a, that's a really good question. I, I did. I was pastoring in Kamloops. I had left the church. I was at that point, I had just resigned from the church and I was president of the local chamber of commerce. I had a huge profile in, in, in the town, right in, the, in our city. And uh, I thought, you know, this would be a great time to run. If I'm going to run, now would be a time to run. But I also knew that God was calling me. The reason I had left my church was because God was calling me to serve in this 
you know, political chaplaincy thing that nobody was doing at the time. And I, I, I really felt like I, you know, it was like God said to Abraham, come with me to a, a place that I'll show you, you know, and that was right. really what it was like for us. And, um, you know, three kids and a dog and um, a mortgage and a whole bunch of other things. And it was like, how in the world does any of this happen, right? Except that Jesus shows up and makes a way. So, so that was kind of the process. So really my time in the chamber, um, so I had this political interest anyway, but my time in the chamber of commerce um, really set me up to do this. At the time, I was just serving in an area that where a door had opened to me and I had some interest. But um, what happened was because of, of the size of the chamber that we were and the influence that we had in the province, I got to spend a lot of time with civic leaders, regional leaders, provincial and federal leaders at, at you know, at high level meetings, just again, because of my, my role within the chamber. And, um, and so that pretty soon, you know, when these meetings would first start, we all hand out our business cards and, uh, or, you know, now you don't ever hand out a business card because of COVID, <laughs> but back then, right, we, we still handed out business cards. And, um, and so, you know, I hand out my, my church card and, you know, somebody would inevitably say, we don't get a lot of pastors here, you know, we, mm. we don't get a lot of pastors at these meetings. And um, those comments would often turn into, hey, you're a pastor, can I talk to you later? And so mm. I had conversations in hallways and in, you know, back corners and all kinds of places. And I discovered pretty quickly that that business leaders and political leaders were really lonely people. And I, I, I would say desperate, but not in a, in, a, in a crisis kind of way. They were, just, they were just people who were thirsty, looking for something. And they were never, ever going to walk through the door of my church on a Sunday morning. But they were almost always wide open to, to have me speak into their lives after I built a relationship with them. So take me back uh to 2006 and maybe the the ramp up to launching uh what was your starting point where do you where do you begin to uh tackle something as uh, uh spacious and and uh out of reach to the common person as yeah. audacious as, uh, would be a good word Kevin. audacious <laughs> Ostentatious, audacious. Ostentatious. We, we could just go on and on with the H's, couldn't we? Um, I, I'd say that, so, so 2004, 2004, um, I went to a pastor's camp. We had a, a speaker named Ian Green, who you may know. Yeah. And um, um, went to a morning session and, and Ian said, said um, hey, this morning, I'm not going to teach. I didn't realize this was part of Ian's thing. This is what he does kind of all the time when he does those kind of events, but I'm not going to teach this morning. I just want you to take your journals and we're just going to find a quiet place. And I just want you to get into a listening posture and hear what God has to say to you. So I'm a pastor and I'm thinking to myself, this is awesome. Here comes the fresh fall program and I don't even have to do any heavy lifting. <laughs> and uh, when I pulled out my notebook, this actually in that bookshelf right over my shoulder, um, when I pulled out my notebook and my pen and kind of got myself quiet, I heard the Lord begin to speak and he opened up with, I want you to start a political chaplaincy. Yeah. And, and it was on the one hand, a confirmation of things that had been in my heart. 
And on the other hand, just a very clear and direct word, you know, and it's going to look like this and I want you to do this and I want you to do, right. And, you know, and I'm going to, you know, like kind of all of the stuff. And so after, after the session was over, it came back together and my wife and I were walking over to the dining hall. And her first question to me was, so are we moving? <laughs> I said, I think we probably need to have a longer chat. And so we, we went out, had lunch, went out after and just kind of walked around and I said, I don't know what any of this means, except this is what God said. And we had previously lived in Victoria. Mm -hmm. And so for her, the idea of moving back to Victoria from Kamloops wasn't really a hardship. <laughs> yeah. But, but we had, like, honestly, we had no idea, right? And so that's 2004 and kind of prayed it through one thing and another. And um, I kind of, I'd come up with a plan that I was going to, I was going to, announced my resignation at our 2005 AGM, right? February, 2005. And, um, you know, life goes on, church life gets hectic and busy. And, you know, I am doing my best to convince myself that everything that I had heard God say at that pastor's camp was all just my head. It was just crazy talk, you know? And, um, and so did the AGM and um, the next morning I sat down in my office with my coffee and my bagel, I turned on my computer and I heard the Lord say, what were you supposed to do last night? And um, I was like, oh, Jesus, that's just crazy stuff, right? There's this, you know, and, and I was like, I mean, I, I could have still been obedient. It would have been so easy. And instead, um, I, I chose a different option. And about about a year and a half, by, by about 18 months later, Jesus had in his, in a way that only he can do, he had made obedience very appealing. And, um, and you know, by this fall of 2005, I was quite eager to say yes to, to what his plan was. And so then we started going down that road. So um, what, what, where, where did you start? Well, I mean, um, so I guess there's, there's really kind of two parts. I mean, where that. did you start uh, in terms of establishing a uh, connection to a, a House of Parliament, a, sure. a legislature? Yeah. 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 So, so my story is, is this, is that um, in February of 2007, my, um, so in BC, we, we call our elected members MLAs in Ontario, they're MPPs, but same, same role. So my MLA, his office was just down the street from me, he's a Christian guy. And I had talked to him about this chaplaincy thing that God had put in my heart, didn't know what to do with it. His response to me was, well, Tim, you need to know that, you know, there's nobody in Victoria who's looking for a chaplain. And then he said this, but if God is in it, I will do everything I can to help you. And true to his word, he did. And so January of 2007, I invited him out for lunch. That was kind of our kickoff. And he was really the only relationship that I had. And uh, we went out for lunch and I told him what I was doing. And, you know, and so he invited me to be his guest at the, um, the throne speech. And in BC, and I've been to the throne speech in, um, in Toronto, and it's really not much of a big deal. It's not really much of a deal, but in BC, it's pomp and circumstance and the military comes and there's a parade and there's cannons firing. And I mean, we do it all in February, which is like, you know, a day in May in Toronto, but uh, you know, it's, so this whole thing is going on and um, I'm quite taken with it all. I've, you know, I've been on the outside, but I've never been on the inside of the building at about 10 to two, about 10 minutes before the throne, the speech was supposed to start. I see my friend come out 
of um, kind of the, this revolving door out onto the floor of the chamber and he's walking around and he's shaking hands and, and he kind of glances up my way and I waved at him and he's, this, he's like this, points to me, you come down, you come down. It's like Jesus calling Zacchaeus out of the tree, right? <laughs> you come down. I, again, was like, I have no idea what he's calling me to do, but I go down and I meet him at this area, this spot called the Golden Gate. And he's there with this guy all dressed in black. I have no idea who he is. And uh, he introduces himself or, or introduces this guy to me. He's the sergeant at arms. And uh, he says, uh, this is so-and-so. He's a sergeant at arms. He's got a question for you. Sergeant says, Reverend, the minister was supposed to open our session in prayer today. hasn't showed up. And we've, we can't reach him. And uh, we need somebody to pray. And we're wondering if you'd be able to do this. So, you know, thankfully, I went to Bible college. And I knew that the right answer was that be, be ready to yeah. preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice. And so... I said, I'm sure I'm, 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 I'm happy to help you, whatever you need. And so very well, come with me. And, um, you know, I've been down this hallway a hundred times since that day, more than a hundred times. And, but to this day, that hallway is long and it's dark. It's neither of those things, <laughs> but in my mind, it's long and it's dark. And the Sergeant at arms is in front of me and his black robes are flapping. And I feel like I'm in a scene from Harry Potter. And, um, and my buddy is walking beside me, throws his elbow into my ribs. And he says, well, we know who's really in charge here today. Don't we, Tim? And I'm like, literally like a deer in the headlights. He takes me back to the speaker's office the speaker asks me the same question. And now he's nervous because the lieutenant governor is like on the front steps. He's got to go and greet the governor, but he needs to know that this is in place. Mr. Speaker, I'm happy to serve. Very well, go with the sergeant. And he takes me out again through the revolving door. And I mean, in a very kind of unpastoral, just unguarded moment, I stood there and looked around and went, holy cow, I'm on the floor of the BC legislature. <laughs> So, you know, we kind of went through a little process and, you know, I, he kind of set me up with what I needed to do. And, and then my friend who had invited me stood beside me. So I'm a guest of the government and I'm sitting on the government side of the house in, in a chair in behind where, where the members are. And um, my friend stood beside me and he introduced me to every member of the government caucus that came through the door that day. So that put me light years ahead of where I would have would have been you know any other time oh yeah and uh because it takes a long time to build those kind of relationships and make those connections a week later he had me back for the budget speech and, and this all sounds so high and lofty but i'm honestly i'm just like a i'm just on an adventure and we had i had lunch with a speaker and a select group of members in the in the dining room in the in the speaker's dining private dining room and um that just that helped us get started and so it was it really um, an incredible story. These things just don't happen. In the 15 years that uh, Leading Influence Ministries has operated, uh, you've grown to, is it six chaplains? Yeah, we have six chaplains. So today we have chaplains in, in BC is Jason, who you met. Mm -hmm. We have uh, someone in Alberta, Heather. We have a, a guy who's just joined our team in Saskatchewan, uh, former pastor prior to that, uh, running a crown corporation. Uh, his name is Fred. And um, I'm just in discussion today with somebody from Manitoba. We've got an amazing chaplain in Ontario, Charlie. And, um, and then uh, during COVID, we added Quebec. And so Grant and Claire, Charette Freak are, are with us in Quebec City, just kind of ramping up. And then I'm in um, Ottawa when I'm not in Victoria. 
so when you're in Ottawa, you're uh, at uh, House of Parliament then? At the Parliament building? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. theoretically, I'm there, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the grand plan, so I finished up in Toronto in 2019, handed things off to Charlie, and it was like, you know, 2020, spring 2020, I'm going to be in Ottawa. And I, I think I had two visits to mm. Ottawa before COVID locked everything down. Right. And right. so they, then, you know, like, they're, they're, they're running in cohorts. So there's nobody in the building. They don't want you in the building. They don't want to see you. So then everything just became virtual. Right. So I, we've, we have used zoom as, as a, as a very um, important ministry tool, you know, and, it, and it's been good. I've got to meet a lot of people, but um, there's a lot of, there's just some things that zoom can't do. True. True. Right. When, when we first uh, met, I was uh, involved in some chaplaincy, uh, with the federal halfway house, I was yeah. uh, coordinating some chaplaincy uh, with Western Ontario district of Pentecostal assemblies. And, and it was uh, Murray Lincoln uh, that originally had uh, told me about you. And, and that's where the, the connection was made. And, and uh, what, uh, for those who might not have a concept of what a a chaplain really is uh, in the, the common vernacular, we would say spiritual and religious care providers. Um, what can you tell us uh, that's unique about the role of a chaplain in your context? Uh, what, uh, what does a chaplain do and not do in your context? Well, let's uh, let's kind of frame, frame the environment, right? So, so there are a lot of Christian ministries and agencies that are are politically focused. Let's say, mm -hmm. um, you know, Evangelical Fellowship of Canada is an example. Yeah. You know, they do lobby work and advocacy work, and and that's important stuff, right? And mm -hmm. and uh, you know, most of of their work is issue driven. Mm -hmm. And and it needs to be right. Someone needs to do that, and they do a very very good job of that. Um, there are prayer ministries that like exclu exclusive prayer ministries, like National House of Prayer, mm -hmm. Nation at Prayer, who are involved on the Hill. But and their and their piece is really I just show up and I pray for members, or we just lead collective you know prayer initiatives. And that again, really really important work. And while we pray for members and we pray with members. Um, our, our work is really around caring for members. And so um, there's some things that, that we're really intentional about. Number one, we're nonpartisan. Um, it's really important to us that, that we hold that value very tightly and, and that, that we're not seen tipping our hand one way or the other. I mean, we're all people and we all have political preferences and, you know, all, all of those things, but you know, in a, from a ministry place, the moment, you know, we swing one way or the other, we lose, you know, better than half the room. And so we, we really walk very, very carefully. We're, you know, we, we are, we are pro members. Um, and, uh, and so it was just kind of an interesting thing because there are days where you sit in the gallery and then during question period and and you know a, you know a minister comes out and and you know they've been on their feet and sort of taken a beating during qp and you're going hey you did a great job today that man that was really fantastic you did really represented your team well today right and then the people who 
who were asking all the hard questions come out and you're going, man, those were great questions. And you're, you're kind of working both sides of the room, but, but it's the nature of what we have to do. And so, you know, I mean, it doesn't always work like this, but if I'm, if I'm seen having lunch with a conservative on one day, I want to be seen having lunch with a liberal the next day or an NDP or right, whatever it might be, because, because we really need to show that we're not, we're not playing favorites and we're not working this for anybody. So we are, um, you know, focused around care. Uh, we do not engage with issues at all um, because every time we take a stand on an issue, we lose a large chunk of the room. So, so we don't do that. Um, and we do a lot of listening, um, function mostly as ministry of presence, right? And, we, and so, so we crack door, the doors, we, we, we use compliments and encouragement and honor. I would say not, we use compliments, but, but honor and encouragement as a way to crack a door for us. So, right. you know, you send a note to somebody and say, Hey, you know what, you know, this, whatever it might be, you know, we've learned that uh, social media is a really great place to build relationships with members, right? Mm -hmm. Because they'll, they'll follow you back. And when they follow you back, then you can DM them. And there's all those, all those things, right. That, that you just yeah. kind of learn how to do, but it's all about, for, for us, it's all about building relationships because, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but, but um, you know, the church has a bad, a negative reputation, if you will, with politicians. We, we only show yeah. up when we're angry and, um, and we only show up when we want to fight about something, you know, be it, be it lockdowns or education or, you know, whatever it might be. And, um, and so we, we deal with that perception out of the gate to, with new people. It's, it's become easier, right? As the ministry has grown, it's become easier. But in the beginning, it was always, well, you're a Christian. So you, you're obviously here because you're angry about something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I'm, I'm not angry about anything. I'm here to serve you. I want to be an encouragement <laughs> to you and, you know, and, and do whatever. And so it, it's been actually a lot of it, it, like watching these things, these relationships develop and, and kind of move out is a, is a fascinating thing, right? Because I, I know that if, if I lead with Jesus, I'm going to get shut down. Right. And so I, I need to I need to lead in ways and, and engage with people in ways that create some common ground. And once once people feel comfortable with you, it's just incredible the things that they will tell you, because politicians have nobody to talk to. Right. Like it's a right. difficult, isolating job. And when they figure out that you're safe and that you're for them and that you're trustworthy, they will bear their soul to you. Yeah. Right. And it, it like it, it'll happen over a cup of coffee. It'll happen in an office. Sometimes it happens, you know, through through generally not an email, but through social media. And they, because they're just they're just desperate for affirmation and support. And, and frankly, they're desperate for living water, even though they probably don't know that that's what they're looking for. It would be um, easy to uh, be compassionate and caring uh, and kind, but at the same time, you know, have an agenda that, oh, yeah. that seems to be, you know, uh, when people are buttering, buttering you up because they want something right. And, and so rather than being disingenuous, it sounds like you and your chaplains uh, really have disciplines of the heart to look at not the the party affiliation not 
the uh, record for or against uh, a member, but looking at their heart, looking that at, at them as a human being that that needs uh, somebody they can trust, somebody they can talk to. I found the same in uh, correctional chaplaincy that, uh, you know, I would have conversations with, you know, drug dealers, murderers, uh, ch you know, uh, sex offenders, any yeah. kind of thing. And, and you, you had to um, have that frame of mind and that heart of Jesus to be able to say, there's somebody inside this persona that I need to touch, that I need to connect to. And, um, you know, how, how do you, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about politicians. It seems to me that politicians deal with an inordinate amount of criticism uh, from the public. And uh, is there a secret sauce that they drink to get a thicker skin? <laughs> how, how, do they, how do they take the assault and, and keep going? Are they like, football players or what what's what's the story what, 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 there what, what is it well you know um pastor to pastor for a moment right um there's a lot of similarities between between political life and pastoral life right there's mm -hmm. there's always somebody who's unhappy but um I, we, we we host an annual prayer breakfast in bc and a number of years ago the speaker of the house was sitting beside me and her daughter had just got her first job at canadian tire mm -hmm. and um daughter comes home after her first day of work and it had not been a good first day for her she had some challenges along the way and, and she says to her mom who's a career politician she says to her mom mom the public can be so difficult <laughs> <laughs> you know so mom had a good laugh about that but i mean you put you put the put all of this in context if you follow politics at all and you pay attention to polls right you know that a very good day i mean a very good day for a politician is when you have a 40% approval rating. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, you're shooting out the lights if you've got 40%, which means it sounds really great, 40%. But the other side is it means six out of 10 people disagree with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, 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 and so, but it's been, you know, some days it's really challenging. Like we have, you know, I've got, I've got relationships with politicians on both government and opposition side across the country. And, um, I mean, in this last, you know, 18 months, two years, to be a government member has been a rough go. Oh, it's been a really, really hard time for them, you know, for people with faith and, and people without faith. It's like, this has just been an onslaught because it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't matter what they do, right? It's just like, right. if you lock things down to try and manage the virus, then, mm -hmm. then that's bad. Right. If you leave things open, then it's like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think over time, you just learn how to how to disconnect from the criticism because you believe in your plan. Right. Right. You, right. you believe in your plan. You believe in your strategy, um, you know, and, and, and you learn how to be respectful to those who, who disagree with you. Right. One of the difficult things that, that most most politicians understand that they signed up for something. They mm -hmm. signed up for political life and that with that, you know, entering that world, there's, um, 
there's criticism that comes, there's opposition that comes, and there are bad days and there are difficult days. They, they yeah. understand that. And for the yeah. most part, they can live with that themselves. Yeah. But when it affects spouses and when it affects children, mm. then that, that becomes a whole different deal. That becomes very, very difficult. Yeah. Well, I, I think the parallel to pastors is... It, there's there's a lot of truth to what you're saying in yeah. fact if uh if a pastor thought it was great to have a 40 percent approval rating uh <laughs> i mean most of us would move we'd, we be, long gone, 40, right? we'd be long gone 40 percent. no way if, I, if we had a, most of us if we had a 40 percent rating we'd leave church church ministry altogether absolutely to yeah we'd go to I, chaplaincy yeah i i won't i won't come to that church unless i get a 95 percent vote to come imagine if politics worked that way yeah exactly yeah exactly well therein lies some of the difference i guess yeah. um so you've known several politicians personally over the year yeah and um you know you you, you get to see the human side uh much more than uh those of us in the public watching the news or following social media uh, both the, the pros and the cons. Um, talk to me a bit about the disconnect between your average person who enters into politics, whether it's to be a city council person, whether it's to become a, a member of parliament, MPP, MLA, uh, whatever level a person engages in. Um, is it fair to say that you know, the, the highest percentage enter with a certain amount of altruism and a genuine desire to make the world a better place. So where's the disconnect to, uh, you know, many times when we're following the news and following social media, uh, we uh, hear, you know, these horrible, selfish accusations brought against politicians um is it does it get darker <laughs> the deeper that you go the higher up that you go does it get darker or what's what what's going on there is there a, is there a disconnect or is is there a point at which that altruistic optimism um you know changes and there's a decision to relinquish your your own sense of personhood for the good of the party and somebody else's agenda what what's going on well a couple of things my, my friend just uh, preached a call for a church out here in bc and and as part of his message that i i was cheering him on so i was watching online and he said now i'm a pastor's kid and i grew up in church and he said I, I've seen the gum under the table, right? <laughs> right. The longer yep. you're in it, right, the more you see the gum under the table. And and um, and so I, I'd say this that you you express it really well that that um, most politicians, right, whether you're, it's civic politics or school board or whatever they come at this from the place they want to make the world a better place right yeah. you know one of when i was just getting started uh, a member here his name is corky evans corky evans like he could just he could 
amazing speaker, he, a stump speech anytime, anywhere. And, you know, it was kind of always the same speech, but he would just weave something different into it each time. And, and it was, I think this was his farewell speech. And he, he said this, Mr. Speaker, we, we come here from all different parts of the province. And uh, we all come here with one goal in mind, which is to make, to make BC a better place. We just have different roadmaps on how to get there. So, you know, I, and I think that that's just a wonderful expression of what, what drives, you know, most, most people. I, I've, I've yet to meet a politician that's really doing it for the money I, and mm -hmm. in 15 years. I, because frankly, they're, they're all, generally speaking, they're all talented enough that they're making a whole lot more money in the private sector with a lot less public scrutiny. Right. And so, right, so, so they're not in it for the money. And they're not in it for the pension because in Ontario, as an example, there even is there is no pension for for politicians. So, so you have those dynamics at, at play. I, I think what happens, our system, our, our 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 political system, makes it very difficult for individuals to be individuals. Like you can be an individual within caucus. You can you can argue for your point behind closed doors one way or another. But the expectation is that that you're going to when it comes time to vote you're going to vote with the party and if you're not going to and if you can't vote with the party then you're not then, then just don't be in the room when the question is called i'll give you an example of this so um i forget what the bill would have been it was a it was some kind of a sexuality bill in ontario and um you know there was there was a, a member of of a particular caucus who wanted to vote against this and you know whatever the proposition was, but but the um, the agreement among the house leaders was it would be a unanimous vote. They were going to have a unanimous vote on this particular bill, and everybody signed off on that's what was going to happen. It was going to be this great show. And so the um, my friend, um, his, the, the word back from his leader, you know, when he appealed was, if you can't be in the room, or if you can't if you can't vote yes don't be in the room when the question is called. So every, you know, I mean, they all know, right? Like what well, you sort of, it's not necessarily by the clock, but by the agenda, they, you, know, you can tell this is what's coming. So in those days there were 121, I think 121 or 124 seats at Queens Park. And I watched members from three caucuses. It was like suddenly everyone had to go to the bathroom at the same time, like just, this is this very discreet but very intentional flow out of the room. And, um, and I sat there, right, watched the bill being voted on. You know, it was a unanimous, it was a unanimous vote. But I think, and I, I'm reaching a little bit for the numbers here, but, um, but I think it was like one third of the members had absented themselves. So yeah. about 80 people voted yes. On, yeah. on a bill, right? So it could be unanimous. And they and they it wasn't just one caucus that left. It was members from every caucus that left, right? Who for whatever reason couldn't, wouldn't vote, right? And 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 I think it's a it's a sad thing in our nation that that you can't vote against without being ostracized. Right. Because because it leaves the impression that all Ontarians or all British Columbians or all Canadians on this particular issue are in favor, mm. even when their representatives aren't always are, you know, are opposed or, or, or their representatives aren't allowed to vote, you know, the intent of their, of their constituents. So, so that's a downside. The other challenge with that is, 
is that you know even if you have a free vote and and you know you get input from your constituents remember that on a good day 40% are with you so it means that on every you know if you really did a kind of a grassroots thing it means you're going to vote against on everything because 60% are telling you not to so that's right it's, so it's a very complicated kind of thing and so you know but but i've watched i've watched a number of, of christian members really really kind of figure out how to work things in behind the scenes so that they're able to let their light shine and they're able to build partnerships and and i wouldn't say coalitions because i think that's too strong but they're able to build partnerships and and uh, you know unofficial alliances that i'll support you here if you'll support me here mm -hmm. and 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 it's not necessarily going to turn the bill upside down but it will soften the direction of right. The bill, right 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 and so so you have those kind of dynamics and you know like i you know, we had um, here in BC, we had Christian members who agonized. I mean, one person comes to mind, especially who is now retired, but agonized over over decisions, right? And knowing where he had influence, knowing where he didn't have influence, knowing what his limitations were, mm -hmm. and trying to play within that without getting fired, and at the same time being true to his faith. And it's a testing, complicated place. Well, I think you know the it, it to me it it il illustrates the uh, the importance of having people like yourself uh, for spiritual and religious care because there are certainly uh, political agendas there are uh, you know uh, systems in place ways of doing things but then at the end of the day there's also something above the flesh and blood right the yeah. the spirituality and of uh nations the uh the the powers the authorities in high places yes. the, and 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 there's this spiritual warfare that goes on in the life of every member and uh what you want to talk a little bit about spiritual warfare at a national level? Any insights that you have there? <laughs> yeah, there are principalities and powers for sure, right? And so, like we, when we started, you know, this is probably premature in, in our notes, but but it fits here. So when, when we began, it wasn't long after I, I had started this chaplain, you know, the chaplaincy side that I realized I needed people praying for me. Mm -hmm. And I needed people praying with me and I needed people praying for the people that I was serving and that that was going to make a difference, a huge difference in what was, what was happening. So I started with just a real informal network of, you know, personal intercessors and then, you know, built that into, to, you know, a provincial prayer network that was pre BC that we launched in 2009. And so since 2009, Every Monday to Friday from BC now all the way to Quebec City um, and then federally, we are praying for a different, you know, MLA, MPP, MMA, MP by name with a, personalized, a, a team of, of writers who write personalized prayers, always pro the individuals, praying prayers of honor and blessing. Mm -hmm. And um, and you know what? I, I, I've seen... I've, I've experienced enough conversations 
with members who will reach out and go, how did you know that on this day I would be dealing with this thing that you prayed about? And it's just way too, like, I mean, one day I, I walked into, I walked into the building and actually my parents were visiting. And so I was taking them on a tour and, and this guy comes to me just like a streak, like almost ran to me. I read the prayer you prayed for me today, that you wrote for me today. And how did you know I've had a big decision to make? And in that prayer, you asked that God would give me wisdom. And I believe that he has, and I'm going to announce my, you know, whatever it was he was doing later in the day. And, um, it's like it's easier just to say when my boss tells me things <laughs> than it is to kind of explain the process that well six weeks ago we assigned your name to someone who prayed that god would would speak through them as they wrote a prayer for you and then we edited that prayer and then we published that prayer and like it's just way easier to say well my, my boss just told me that, that yeah. that's what you today, right yeah. <laughs> But it's been a really interesting thing to see that play out. So, and I, I believe this part really strongly that, you know, we can get hung up on, you know, everybody who's against us. And, and you know, like, you know, we start pointing fingers. And, you know, the first part of that verse that, that, you, that you referenced out of Ephesians 6 is, is that our battle is not against flesh and blood, mm -hmm. right? And yet, too often in the church, we want to make it about flesh and blood oh yeah we, we we've got their names and and we're, well, we've, got, we've got their names we've got their emails we've got their phone yeah. numbers and we know how to target them right but yeah but but it's such a, a backwards way of doing things because and I'm, I'm fully convinced of this that the only people on the planet with the spiritual authority and the spiritual calling to actually stand in the gap on behalf of the nation and effect positive change are the people of god like mm. no one else has what we have and yet ha has access to what we have. And, and yet we so often fail to use it because it's easier to go on social and criticize yeah. and complain and rant and rave than it is to take just a few minutes. Right. Yeah. Just to pray something and, and, and you know, pray, pray for a member and to pray for them by name and and you know and, and we realize that you know most people have no idea who their members are right right they right. just they just don't know who their member and, and in fairness to them sometimes the boundaries change you know who's my i don't know who my federal member is or you know there's confusion around all that stuff so we just do it alphabetically nonpartisan, by last name work through the list and um we publish it up on social media so in almost every case well, provincially, it's pray and then the, and then the two letter code for your province. So pray B C E S K, right? So all of that's on social. And then if you want to, you know, go to the website leadinginfluence.com, you can um, hit prayer networks and you know sign up there if you want to get it by email and you know and do it that way. But but I, I know we rally the church rallies around issues, right? We're praying mm -hmm. against this, and we're praying against that, and and you can get a lot of traction about that, you know, with that, but you can't mm -hmm. sustain that. Right. You can't right. long term, you can't sustain people being angry, praying about stuff. Right. Like it just you, you just can't. Right. But so so we've gone this other route. And and on any given day, we know that our our current prayer networks, we've got somewhere between eighty five hundred and nine thousand people every day who we know they're not. We know that they're not all praying every day. But of the nine thousand, we probably got. 50% 
that are tracking with us on a daily basis. So and those are people who are just, you know, praying the prayers that we're writing and, and um, asking God to bless those leaders. And long term, right, if we believe that, 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 that blessing is more powerful than cursing, that, huge, that produces huge dividends for us long term. But it's not a short game. So just to uh, draw out uh, something you're saying there about, uh, you know, the nature of, of power, the, the power in the world and power in the kingdom of God um, are not always set up the same way. And I think we're trying to play world games when it comes to changing the world rather than being about the kingdom of God. Talk to me a bit about the kingdom of God and how we should approach power and influence. Your, your, the name of your organization is Leading Influence, right? So to be an influence in the kingdom of God, uh, to be an influence in our world, how does that look different than any other kind of uh, uh, assumption or or uh, application of power. Kevin, you ask such good questions. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I mean, like it's a it's a it's a really interesting conversation. So I'll speak for what we do. I mean, there's a, other ministries do things different ways, but but our approach has been this: is that is that influence comes through service. Right? It, comes, it comes through me picking up a towel and a basin and washing your feet if that's what you need me to do today. Yeah. Right? If, that, if, that's going to be, if that's going to minister to you, if that's going to be an encouragement to you. And, and so we move from, from service to an honor to relationship. Right? And, and so our, influ like our influence, we have no official status anywhere in the country. None. But um, if you talk to members and you know, we're in provinces where we've been around a little longer um, and you say, hey, is there a chaplain around here? Is there somebody who takes care of your spiritual stuff? They'll look up in the gallery and they'll, you know, we're in the virtual gallery now and they'll, they'll find, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll point our, our, you know, our, our team member out. And, um, yeah. and I think that's a really cool thing. I, I, I'm, I'm really thankful to the Lord that, that, that he helped in the beginning because it, it, I mean, it's just so easy to fall right. into the trap of power and to be the center of the universe and to be the rock star of, yeah. you know, of, of your show, right? Um, it's easy to do that. But, but um, in the very beginning, the Lord just was really clear that this is the strategy. We're going to serve people. We're going to honor people. We're going to bless people. And through that, he's going to open doors of opportunity. And through that, we'll be able to speak life and hope and, and minister to people in profound and powerful ways. And so, you know, I like to me that those are the dynamics of the kingdom. I think when, when we try to imitate, I think I know that when we try to imitate what the world is doing, yeah. it always blows back on us. Always. Yeah. 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 The, uh, there, there's definitely um, uh, a lot of, uh, I think, people in the church that would look at, the world around and and say so that's that's how somebody else gets power and influence so that's how we're going to do it but jesus flips it upside down like yes. you said the the towel and the basin washing the feet um 
Yeah, it's it's an upside down kingdom, isn't it? It is. It's a very upside down kingdom. And um, I I listened to a really cool book last summer uh, called uh, Jesus and John Wayne. Hmm. And yeah. uh, it's, I, I don't know if you read it or, or listened no. to it or not, but fascinating for me because I'm old enough that I kind of re I remember some of the players, most yeah. most of the players, and I lived most of the history. But but uh, you know, tracking the it, it was written by a Christian woman who uh, who addressed the issue of how it could be that the evangelical church could could support and fundamentally elect Donald Trump, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and it was like to see the rise of it, you know, and as this kind of like um, Dwight Eisenhower, and we need to have a, a day of prayer and a prayer breakfast. And like those are good things. And we do a prayer breakfast and, and it's a good thing. But when we start leveraging those things because we want power and we want to, you know, direct a political agenda, then then we're we're forsaking the kingdom of heaven, right? Right for right. For, for the kingdom of, of of earth, and 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 that's a, a dangerous thing for us because because when the church serves power, it's a good thing. We're mm -hmm. we're at our best when we serve power. We are at our worst when we are in power. Right. Because because then we try to legislate morality and then we try to to, you know, make people do things. And, you know, it, it's 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 just a disaster for us to be in power. And yet I celebrate every Christian member who's in power. Right. I think that's yeah. wonderful. Right. But it's like serve within the context. But, you know, let's not let's not go down the road of dominionism or theocracy or whatever. We live in a democracy and we need to let our light shine in this context, in this environment. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's, I mean, that, that is a, a beautiful and wonderful challenge, even though sometimes it's very difficult. So just to capture some thoughts there for your average Canadian Christian who uh, is in knots over the political climate <laughs> and wondering what should we do? How can we change the nation? You know, how do you be a servant in your local, local context? How do you be an intercessor in the local context? And, and then from local to provincial to federal, like, what are, give, give us some, give us the cheat sheet here, Tim, how to be, <laughs> how to be a, a good Canadian that follows Jesus. You know, what's our relationship with with uh, politics, with uh, our desire to see change? It, it, we're this is airing just before election, and uh, you know, there's there's a, a mix of opinions, isn't there, about uh, how engaged we should be? Uh, certainly, many are quick to point out the separation of church and state. Many just they're not interested in politics. They just bemoan the state of the world. So talk, talk for a sure. minute to the, it, it, this is your sermon to, to anybody that'll listen, Tim, pastor, Tim, talk to your congregation who are listening here and, and tell us how to think and act. <laughs> 
Okay, I'll do my best. No pressure at all here. No, right? no pressure, and no, no you pressure might you might well, get a forty percent approval rating if it go. goes well. Yeah, I'd be so. happy with forty percent. So, so I think there's two parts, at least two parts, to to answering that question. Number one, I think that that Christians should be exemplary citizens. Okay. Okay. Uh, tell we, me what you mean by that. I think that, that that Christians should be the best citizens. We should we should pay all of our taxes. We should obey the laws around us. We should do whatever it takes to make the world around us and the community around that we live in the best place that it can possibly be. Right. Mm -hmm. I think I think the baseline of good citizenship is is engaging in an, in in a democratic process. So showing up to mm -hmm. vote, right, and to vote to vote intelligently, to vote thoughtfully, to vote prayerfully. Those things all are really, really crucial. Now, I just I just published, um, uh, maybe I'll give it to you if, you if you want to put it in your podcast notes, I'll send yeah. you like, I, I just put up an article on um, the folly of our ways, right? And, and, and when it comes to voting and and um, this is off the top of my head, so I, you know, I, I, I'm going to miss some things, but there, there, are, there, are, there are some premises that we operate with that I think are really faulty. Number one, um, you know, I, I had a pastor friend one time, I, we were in an election season and he was just all fired up. And in the midst of his sermon, without a lot of forethought, he, he, he loudly proclaimed, I'll tell you who I'm voting for. I'm voting for the Christian candidate. And yay. Right, but but you and I have been around long enough, and you know, and we know that that we have many brothers and sisters who are very competent and very capable and and very good at leading at, at high levels, and we have other brothers and sisters whose gifts are, are 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 in other places, right? I really want to say they can't run a popsicle popsicle stand on the beach in July is what I want to say, but I'm told that I shouldn't say that, so I'm leaving that out. <laughs> Okay. Right. We, so, we didn't so, hear that. No, you didn't. You didn't hear no. any of that. You didn't hear any of that part. But, but you know, it's like vote for the Christian candidate if that's your best choice. If that's the person who is actually qualified to serve, vote for that person. Right. So, so there's that. And then we hear we hear other people who say um, um, this is the most important election, or this election is about you know an issue. Well, I, I've. I've been around the track enough times to know that elections are about many things, right? And, and if I'm making my political choice based on one issue, I'm probably ignoring a whole bunch of other issues. And we need to understand that, that, that A, you know, Jesus isn't running for office here, right? Right. <laughs> right? So, so we're not going, Jesus doesn't want our vote. He wants our life, but, but, but we're not going to be electing Jesus here. No, we, we might not vote him in. We might crucify him. <laughs> because we're fully capable of doing that right yeah <laughs> so so you know this idea that, that we're voting for jesus and we're voting jesus in it's not it, it, it it's it's impossible because politics in this world politics is a, a it's it's just a a a collection of grays right i'm there, there are there i, I don't i'm not going to get a black and white candidate i'm i'm in every vote that i cast i'm making compromises and I just, you know, so my prayer when I vote is that I'm making, I'm making compromises based on what I believe is best, or based on what I believe is best. 
right? So, so uh, you know, we don't vote just for Christian candidates. Um, we, we do our, our thinking. We don't vote just on single issues. We do our thinking and, and voting wisely. And we understand that, that all of this is about compromise, but it's really important that we vote. It's really important that we teach our kids to vote and, and that we bring them along so they, they understand why all of this matters. And because we, you know, I'm, I'm, we're watching, you know, Afghanistan descend into chaos, right? And well, <laughs> while this is, while you and I are chatting here. And, um, and it's like, those people may never get the chance to vote again ever yeah and um and yet we have the chance to vote and i think i just saw I, I just saw some stats yesterday that in most provinces in the last federal election if the people who didn't participate like it, it like the, the people that didn't vote that percentage was higher than the ballots that were cast for any single party right they like the non-participants elected and non-participant participant government, so, so to speak. So it's important that we show up and we do these things and, mm. and, um, and we do them prayerfully. So we are running right now uh, with Leading Influence. We've got, like I said, we got a week before the election. Um, leadinginfluence.com slash hear our prayer. And we're running a, you know, a, a prayer campaign. And we'd love to have you know, your listeners just track along with us. Again, non-political, non-partisan, core of our prayer. The core of our prayer is, um, is God give us men and women through whom you will work to accomplish your plans and purposes. And I believe that the people that God chooses are from across the political spectrum because he doesn't, I fully convinced of this, Jesus does not have a political favorite. Jesus right. does not vote a, a particular color, right? He's because he loves people and our nation needs a diversity of leaders from a diversity of political perspectives, because that's when we get the best going. So if somebody uh, in Canada is a conscientious objector to, uh, to a particular law <clears throat> or mandate, uh, how can a conscientious objector uh, be true to that notion of being a good citizen. Yes, the conscientious objectors always throw a wrench into the into into what is otherwise a seamless argument, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I get it. There are people who, but because of their conscience, can't, mm -hmm. right, or, or 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 choose not to. I think that's, and I respect that, right? Mm -hmm. I I respect that. I think that you can the conscientious objectors. Uh, are different than people who just check out because they don't care or they choose not to be interested. They care um, deeply. Yeah. yeah, conscientious objectors care deeply. And, um, and my encouragement to conscientious objectors is please pray for this nation, right? Like make, if, if you can't vote because your conscience does not permit you to do so, please pray, pray deeply, pray fast and pray. Right, that mm -hmm. that um, God will work through the processes that are established here within our within our nation to accomplish His plans and purposes. Mm. Well, in five days we're going to uh, see the wheels turn once again in Canada, yes. and uh, it's it's a little bit like one of those carnival wheels that spins, and you can't necessarily predict where it's going to stop but it will stop somewhere for the next season. 
And in spite of what we see outwardly, uh, we need to be intercessors. We need to be people that, that pray about the heart of our nation, not just the personalities or the parties. And uh, uh, I know that uh, if, if people are uh, feeling uh, prompted, they can go to leadinginfluence.com. Uh, you're actually just uh, in a, a season of prayer that's coming up to election but uh, in an ongoing basis, uh, you would like people that feel called to pray for the nation to, uh, to, to join in, take your newsletters and, and be part of. Yeah. Please track along greater with us. Yeah. yeah. Please track along with us. We'd, we'd love to have you from wherever you might be. If you're, uh, you know, here in this, um, just go to leadinginfluence.com, drop in at, you know, to our contact uh, page, Fire me a note. Just let me know where you're listening from. Yeah. If you've got questions, happy to chat with you about about all of that. So, um, do you good. feel that um, from 2006 till now that uh, <clears throat> we're in a darker place as a nation? Oh, I think that um, I think that COVID and vaccines have have put us in a place we have not been before as a nation. Mm-hmm. Like we are, we are very divided. We are. And, yeah. and divided, you know, and I, I want to be really careful because I know that, that there is a diversity of opinion on this. And, you know, one of my friends early on, right, he's not involved politically at all. He said, you know what, you just have to give people in this day grace, right? Mm. And uh, you know, when our, our BC chaplain, Jason, and I were talking about the same thing one day. He said, you know what? After this is over, everybody should just get a free pass. What you decided, what you said, what you did during that time, because of Jesus, I'm giving you a free pass. I'm, yeah. I'm more interested in, your, in a relationship with you than what happened in the past, right? And so I, you know, I, I think especially in the church, because our churches are so divided around these things that that um, but yeah I, right now it feels dark it feels heavy mm. and yet and yet because um, you had given me a heads up on this I feel like if the church wants to if the Canadian church wants to if we're prepared to um, there's a golden opportunity for us right now to to um, propel Canada towards the fulfillment of its spiritual destiny the church can rise in this moment and that jesus wants to use us to to propel us towards um to, to propel canada towards fulfilling its spiritual destiny but that plan requires us I, I wrote this down to think act and speak differently than what we've been doing like we have yeah. to in order for us to capitalize on the opportunity in front of us we have to to embrace a completely different operating system in the way we've been from, from the way we've been doing things. And if we do that, if we can forsake our old ways and embrace the new wineskin, embrace the new operating system, we can see amazing days and we can bring healing to the nation. But but we, we've got to step away from what we're doing right now. That day that you walked the long dark hall <laughs> in the legislature of BC. And uh, you followed the guy in the black robes, the sergeant at arms. Uh, you had such a uh, unusual experience of being ushered into that throne room. Yeah. And yet 
long before that experience, you learned how to be ushered into the throne room of heaven. Yes. And uh, I'm just going to ask you as we uh, bring our conversation to a close today, that uh, you would lead us into that throne room and uh, that you would pray uh, for Canada and that you would pray for uh, the uh, governing bodies of Canada and the Church of Canada and all of Canada's citizens. Yeah, happy to do that. Merciful Jesus, we, we need you today more than ever before. We need your grace. We need your wisdom. We need your courage. We need your insight. We, we need your strategies. We would, say, we would say with Hezekiah, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, we, as, as the church in Canada, we, we bring our nation before you. You see our beauty. You see our diversity. You see, you see the wonder of the people around us, but you see the brokenness in our systems. You see the brokenness among our people. You see our sins. You see our flaws. You see our failures. And we say, Lord, today, would you have mercy on Canada? Would you show your kindness? Would you show your grace to this beautiful nation? But we have heard for so long, we have heard words about your plan for Canada and, and you know, bringing healing to the nations and, and all these other things. And, and um, there are days we despair that we would ever see any of that come to pass. And yet you are faithful and you are good and you are full of mercy. And so, Lord, today we ask that you would put your hand upon this country in this election, during this electoral time. God, that you would give us men and women from coast to coast to coast through whom you would accomplish your plans and purposes for Canada. That you would, in just a few short days, help us to elect 338 men and women who will be instruments for you. God, not to create a theocracy or, or to, to push us towards some, something you know, outrageous, but instead that you would give us humble servants. Whether they know you, whether they fear you or not, God, just give us humble servants who would make this nation what you want it to be. We know that, God, we have a part in that. It's, we, we, so often in the church, we look to politics to be our savior. We look to politicians to be our savior. And uh, instead, we need to be looking to you. And, and Lord, we know that, that you've given us a part to do in discipleship and, and community transformation. We want to be a part of that. And so help us, we pray. We pray today for our prime minister and, uh, and we pray for, for the leaders of, um, of, of the federal parties today as they contest this election. God, give them grace. Give them your wisdom. Give them, I pray, as this journey gets long, your strength. Give them rest and, and help them, surround them with godly advisors, men and women who hear your heart and would speak your words like a Nehemiah, like a Daniel, like an Esther. Father, we pray for our provincial leaders from British Columbia through to, uh, to Newfoundland, that in, in each of those 
provinces, again, you would use people of influence who love you and follow you and serve you to be voices of wisdom. Where there are Christian primate or premiers, God, would you, um, or, or and leaders of the opposition for that matter, would you fill them with your vision, your heart, your plans, your purposes for this great nation? Or do on the on the outside of the, the parliament buildings in Ottawa, inscribed over over the windows, it says, uh, "His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river." To the ends of the earth and um, Lord, we just claim again that promise for, out of psalm 72 our national model from sea to sea and we ask lord that you, jesus in spite of everything we see around us in spite of the mess in spite of the chaos it is almost sometimes terrifying and overwhelming to us but we remind ourselves that you thrive in chaos you make order out of chaos you create out of chaos and um and so we look to you and we say, Jesus, be glorified in our midst, be glorified in our mess, be glorified in our nation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Tim. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, have to, uh, we'll have to get together uh, next time we're in the same province. <laughs> That'll be fun. I love it. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Right. Hey, all you Canadian listeners, make sure that you get out to vote on the 20th. And uh, let's all pray that God uh, directs our nation. On the next episode of Sidewalk Skyline podcast, I'm going to be talking to Corey Costera. Corey is a uh, co-vocational pastor in Bradford, Ontario. In addition to pastoring Bradford Community Church, he is a full-time Ontario Provincial Police Officer. And uh, part of his story uh, is uh, that as his work involved uh, going to accident sites on major highways, uh, that eventually he became uh, a victim of PTSD. So we're going to be talking about PTSD uh, and uh, the changes that that has brought into his life, but not just uh, about PTSD, but about some of the incredible things that he's been leading the church in Bradford into in the community. Uh, I think you're uh, going to be uh, really interested to, to hear about some of the innovative ways uh, that they are helping the homeless in their community, how uh, they have uh, mobilized youth to serve in the community. There's some great stories coming on the next episode. So be sure to check in. Uh, and if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Uh, like and share us on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, Twitter, anywhere that you can uh, spread uh, the story. We appreciate it. Until the next episode, I'm Kevin Rogers and you're listening to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast.